Good morning again to everyone. I'm glad that you are here with us. We are uh, finishing up uh, a little lesson that we began last Sunday on heaven. Uh, I have been told that there are uh, 13 people down on the beach that will be listening to us this morning. Um, not real happy about that, that they're there and we're here. But uh, I do hope that they're tuning in, and I want to say hello to Elliot, if he's listening. Um, they sent me a sweet little text uh, yesterday uh, that said, uh, he said to his daddy, uh, I'm talking about uh, Landon's grandson, Elliot, he said uh, to his daddy, he said, um, Daddy, I love God more than anything. I love God and Jesus more than anything, even more than Mr. Rodney. And um, me and Elliot got a thing going on. He, we're, we're pretty tight. Elliot loves me and I love him. So hello to Elliot if, he is, if he's listening. Jason, thank you for your words this morning. Um, a book came out not too many years ago called Not a Fan. Um, and I can't remember who the author is. I've got it narrowed down to three or four, but I can't remember exactly who the author was. But the idea was um, Jesus doesn't need fans. He needs followers. And so I so appreciated those words. It really helped me to focus my mind around the table this morning uh, of what it means to be a follower. And if we are followers of Jesus, we ought to be excited about heaven. We ought to be excited about thinking about it and talking about it. Last Sunday, we, we sort of just sat the table. We looked at some Old Testament passages, um, and we were trying to find um, what, what's heaven going to be like? We talked about a man named Enoch from Genesis chapter 5. It says Enoch walked with God and then he was no more because God took him. And it, and it makes us think, well, where did God take him? And where is that place and what is that place like? But, but we weren't given any information. And then we went to, to Job and Job asked that age-old question, if a man dies, will he live again? And, of course, the answer was assumed, yes, he will live again, but we wanted to know where. Where is he going to live, and what's it going to be like? But not, uh, not any information. And all throughout the Old Testament, there are passages uh, that allude to the afterlife. We talked about David. Um, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's so beautiful. But David, what's it going to be like? Where is that place? But we weren't given any information. We came to the New Testament in John 14 where Jesus says, if I go, I'm going to go and I'll prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many rooms or many mansions, as the King James says. And he says, if I go and prepare this place, I'm going to come back. I'm going to take you to be with me so that you can be where I am. And we want to know, what is that place like? But there's no really information given. So when two chapters in the Word of God remain, just two chapters, God gives us a description of heaven. But before we read it, you need to understand something. You need to understand that we will never have an accurate picture of heaven. The only thing that God can do is give us uh, analogy. 
I think if, if God were to, to spell it out for us, it would just it would blow our minds. We, we, there's no way we could really grasp what he's telling us. So all that he can do is give us analogy. Imagine trying to describe um, a big city to somebody who has only ever lived in a very remote, rural-type setting. So, say, this person comes to you and says, you, you live in a city? Well, yes, I, I live in a city. Well, tell me, what is a city like? Uh, I've, heard about, I've heard about a skyscraper. What's a skyscraper like? And you think to yourself, hmm, well, a skyscraper is like a really, it's a really tall, you know, it's a tall building and people, people live there and they work there and they do things. It, it, it's kind of like that silo over there, that grain silo. It, it's kind of like that. And I say, mm, okay, okay. Um, well, have you, ever, have you ever been on a subway? I've heard about a subway. You say, well, yeah, I've been on a subway. Well, what's a subway like? You think, well, um, a subway is like a, a train, but it, but it goes underground. You remember that mole that's burrowing under the earth and tearing up, tearing up your beautiful yard? That, that subway is kind of like that. You say, okay, well, what about an airplane? I've seen them flying over the farm. Um, have you ever been on an airplane? Well, yes, I've been on an airplane. Well, what's an airplane like? Well, an airplane is, is sort of like a, a school bus with wings. Well, see, you and I both know that a skyscraper is nothing like a silo. And a subway is nothing like that mole in your yard. And an airplane is really nothing like a school bus. But, but it's the best you can do to someone who has never been in a city. It's all you can do is just give them analogy. And so God gives us a description. Let me read just for a moment, and would you listen attentively to the Word of God? I'm in the book of Revelation, chapter 21. The Word of the Lord. Then I saw... A new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Verse 10, and he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. 
It had great high walls with twelve gates and with twelve angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. Verse 21, the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of city was of pure gold like transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there. The glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And then chapter 22 and verse 3, the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. By the way, what, what are you going to do in heaven? There it is. There it is. Are you, are you going to sit around on a cloud all day and, and play the harp? You know, everybody's just going to float around in, in, in heaven, you know, all the time. Is that what we're going to do? What does it say we're going to do when we're in heaven? It says his servants will serve him. Look at verse 4. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of the lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. I want you again this morning to set your mind on things above and to set your heart on things above. What is, what is heaven? What's it like? First of all, I want you to know it is a real place. It's not a fairy tale. It's not an illusion. It's a real place with real people and real relationships. It's like the little eight-year-old girl who said after her daddy died, she said, my daddy is the first one in our family to go to heaven. You see, real people are going to be there. Real relationships. People that you have known. People that you love. People that you respect. Brothers and sisters, we, we are going to be in heaven. It's a real place. And nothing could be more concrete than the Bible's description of it. It even gives mathematical clarity when it describes heaven. And that's something that I want to correct maybe in your mind today. Please, please don't think of this life is, uh, is so solid, but the afterlife is just so um, spiritual and ethereal. No. You walk around, we think we're just going to walk around and we'll see through people 
that everybody's transparent, nothing is real, we float on clouds, nothing you can touch. Folks, listen to me. You are going to have a resurrection body. You're going to have a real resurrection body. Go back and read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I think sometimes we have, we've, we've sort of missed the, the, the picture there. Um, when, when Jesus returns, there is going to be a resurrection. All people that have ever lived are going to be raised from the ground. And you know what's going to be raised up? This body. This physical body is going to be raised. You say, wait a minute, preacher, I thought I was going to get a new body. I'm looking forward to a new body in heaven where my knees don't hurt and my back is not sore and I got hair on top of my head. I thought I was going to get a new body. Listen to me. It's, It's this physical body that's going to be raised. Paul says, that which is sown perishable is that which will be raised imperishable. That which is sown in corruption, this body, is that which will be raised incorruptible. But guess what? In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, this physical body that is resurrected is going to be changed. It's going to be changed into a spiritual body that will never decay, that will never get old, that will never die, that will never waste away. But you have to understand, it's, it's the same body. The same body that when you're, di- when you're buried is going to be the same body that's raised up, but it's going to be changed. You remember when Jesus was resurrected? He said to Thomas, he said, put your, put your hand. But Thomas said, I won't believe unless I can see the nail prints. And what did Jesus do? Put, put your hand right here. See where the the spear pierced my side. That was the same body that he died in, was it not? Do your head like this. That's the same body that's going to be resurrected. But it's going to be changed into something more glorious than you and I can ever imagine. We don't become angels when we go to heaven. This body is going to be raised and it's going to be changed. Real people, real bodies, Real relationships in heaven. We're going to have something beautiful to walk on. Our eyes are going to have beautiful things to see. Our ears are going to have beautiful music and things to listen to. We're going to have a resurrection heart. We're going to have love eternal that will satisfy our deepest desires. Heaven is a real place and real people go there. And heaven is a beautiful place. Have you, ever, have you ever been to, to Montana? Have you ever seen um, the, the, the big sky in Montana? They, they call it big sky country. I didn't understand that until I went. And then the first time I got there, I was like, wow, this, this is incredible. It looked like, it looked like the, the mountains in the distance were sort of superimposed. They weren't even real. Maybe a little closer to home. Have you ever been to the, anybody ever been to the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee? Some beautiful things. Niagara Falls. How many, how many of you have ever seen Niagara Falls? Isn't it gorgeous? The first time I ever went out to the, to the Grand Canyon, you, you can see pictures, you can see postcards, but until you walk up to the, to the rim of that canyon and you look out, 
you cannot even imagine how beautiful it is. How many of you have ever seen the Grand Canyon? God gives us just a taste of his handiwork. We look all around us, and there are things that are so beautiful that we just want to go, we want to see them, we want to, to soak it in. But heaven is the most beautiful place that the mind of God can conceive and the power of God can create. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. And heaven is a city. You know, you know what a city is, don't you? What do you do in a city? You live, you work, you serve, some of you shop. But that's what heaven is. We'll live there. We'll work there. We'll interact with one another. And heaven is a new place. God says, I make all things new. You remember that new car you got? You opened the door and you, you sat down in it and you got that new car smell. You know what I'm talking about? I think they've got cans of that sitting out back in the storeroom and, and they go spray that before you come sit in there because it's intoxicating is it not you can smell it it's like I want this car I gotta have it one time when I was traveling years ago I was down in Troy Alabama Alabama they say down in Alabama I was in Troy Alabama and a buddy of mine we were driving down the road in this little um little Bronco 2 uh, the, the smaller version of the, of the Bronco, drove by, and I, and I said, man, I love those new, new Bronco 2s. He said, there's a, a guy in our church who owns a Ford dealership. Let's go see him. So we went to see him, and we, we were there for a couple of days, which was kind of odd because we usually came in and sang and then boom, left. But, but we were there for a couple of days. And um, so we got in, and, and he, said, he said, Rodney loves these new Broncos, um, and he said, well, come out here, let's take a look at them. And I, I really found one that I liked. And he said, he said, here, here's the keys. Drive it while you're in town. So I did. And guess what? I bought it. <laughs> I had to have it. Because I got in it, and it just, oh, it felt so good. The, the, the seat just kind of wrapped around me, you know. It just fit me. I thought, this car was made for me. And it had that new car smell. But, you know, the thing about a new car is you drive it around for a little bit, and then it starts to get a little bit dirty. And then your two-year-old takes their lid off of the sippy cup, and now there's chocolate milk everywhere, and they left crayons, and they've melted into the carpet, and guess what? You don't like that new car as much anymore, right? The, the, the shine sort of is, is worn off. It's not what you used to think it was. But let me tell you what. Heaven is a new place. You never get tired of it. It never gets boring. God says, I make all things new. The old order of things has passed away. Heaven is going to be new. It's going to be eternal. And you know, to me, one of the most beautiful things about heaven and one of the scariest things about hell is that it's eternal. It's eternal. It lasts forever. 
That's the most beautiful thing about heaven. It's never going to end. And that's one of the scariest, most frightening things to me about hell is that it's eternal. Never, it never ends. Eternity, that's a staggering concept for us, but we've got to think about it. We need to think about it, that something never ends. In 1956, there was a missionary by the name of Jim Elliott. He tried to take the gospel to a number of Indians in South Africa. They found his body and four other bodies about a week after they had made an airdrop into the area. They all had spears in their backs and they were dead. People said they were foolish, foolish to try to do something like that. But Jim Elliott had made a quote before he left on that trip, and some of you have heard it. It's a very famous quote now. He said, No man is a fool to give up what he cannot keep in order to obtain what he cannot lose. No man is a fool to give up what he cannot keep in order to gain what he cannot lose. It's no wonder Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his own soul? Heaven is an eternal place. How long, how long is eternity? <laughs> I don't know. I can't spend eternity. I mean, I can spend a dollar, but you can't spend eternity. Think, think about this with me, just for a second. Suppose you have one of those big uh, tanker trucks, you know, the kind that uh, hauls oil and gas, those kind of big tanker trucks, big 18-wheeler. Suppose you filled that, that tanker up with BBs, little bitty BBs. I don't even know how many BBs could fit in a tanker truck like that, probably millions and millions, wouldn't you think? I don't know. But say you got this tanker truck full of BBs, you load it on a ship, and you sail down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico. And then you sail around the world. I don't know how many days that would take, but it takes several days, wouldn't it, to sail around the world? And then when you came back to the port there in Louisiana, you took one BB and you dropped it in the water. And then you went again. Sailed all the way around the world. And when you got back, you took a second BB and dropped it in the water. How long would it take to empty that cargo full of BBs? How long would it take? I don't know. But it's not even 2 a.m. in eternity yet. You, ha you haven't even gotten to breakfast in eternity. It's so staggering to think of something that has no end, but yet that's heaven. It's eternal. I said it, I said it last week, but if you're selling your soul today for something that you can see or touch or hold on to, 
you're, you're just making a bad deal. It's not a good deal. Heaven is eternal. Heaven is a place where you're going to see God and you're going to know Him and you're going to see Him face to face. If you heard today that Jesus uh, was in China, I mean, beyond the shadow of a doubt, you knew that Jesus was, was going to be in China. W- would you want to go see him? I would. I'd want to go wherever he was. You say, well, J- Jesus is down in South America and he's going to be there for a week. Would you want to go see him? Man, I, I'd want to I'd see him. I'd want to be wherever he was. But the fact of the matter is, is we are going to see him. We are going to be where he is because he said it. And the most beautiful description here. He will be our God and we will be his people. And we will see his face. You know, there will be some things that you won't find in heaven. You know those gates that we read about just a minute ago? And by the way, heaven is described as a literal city. 1,400 miles as a cube. I think that's analogy. But what John is saying is it's a big place. It's a big, big place. There's room enough for everybody. But they never lock the doors. They never lock the gates. You know, every night before I go to bed, maybe, maybe you guys do this, maybe you don't, but every night before I go to bed, I make the rounds in my house. I go and I open the, the door to the garage. I make sure the garage door is down. And then I close the door, and you know what I do? Lock it. And then I go to the front door, because sometimes you come in and out and you kind of forget. I go to the front door, and you know what I do? Make sure the deadbolt is, lock it, and then I tug on it to make sure it's closed. I do that every night. It's a, it's a ritual. And I could have done it 30 minutes prior, but as soon as I'm fixing to go to bed, I have to do it again. I have to do it again. But in heaven, the gates are never locked. The doors are never locked. You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about somebody coming in and stealing from you. You don't have to worry about someone telling lies about you. And guess what? You don't have to worry about you doing those things anymore either. Why? Because the old order of things has passed away. God is making all things new. So no need to lock the gates, no need to lock the doors, because no impure person will ever enter there. Now, I wouldn't be true to my calling, or I wouldn't be true to the Word of God, if we read Revelation 21 and 22, and I didn't mention one sour note. Um, Let's go back to chapter 21. In verse 8, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, 
the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. You say, why does he, why does he mention these sins and not mention a lot of other sins? Well, probably these were the, the sins that were being practiced by those who originally received John's revelation. That's, these are probably the things that, that were happening there. And he says, if you're involved in sexual immorality, you, you need to know that God does not wink at that. If you're living as a liar, you have got to know that God takes that seriously. If you are a coward as a Christian, you're unwilling to stand up and to be counted for God. You know, I've heard a lot of people uh, talk about leaving church or the reason why they stopped going. And they say, well, so-and-so didn't speak to me in the lobby last Sunday, and I'm just, I'm just tired of it. I'm not going back. Really? That's why you stopped coming to church? So-and-so didn't speak to you? Or they looked at you funny? Jesus said, if you're not willing to follow me and die for me, you're not worthy. You put your hand to the plow and you turn back. He says, you're not, you're not worthy of the kingdom. And Luke 14, he says, in the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Wow. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when Christ bids a man come, he bids him come and die. That's what Jesus is asking of his followers, not fans, but followers. Jesus said, if you're not willing to be faithful to me, even to the point of death, you don't love me. And heading the list here is the cowardly. Those who just wimp out. You don't, you don't want to do that. You don't want to wimp out. Jesus said, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But he says, whoever disowns me before men... Guess what? I'll disown him before my Father in heaven. We, we, we just don't want to be cowardly. We don't want to wimp out. We, we, we've got to be willing to speak up and to speak out. So what if someone makes fun of us? So what? So what if someone slams the door in your face? It doesn't matter. Because you've got something that's more important. There's an invisible kingdom that you're looking forward to. There's an unshakable kingdom that we're living for and that is promised to us. I love talking about heaven, but we also have to be true to the word. Warnings are meant to be taken seriously. Warnings are meant to be taken seriously.
We had a little storm blow through last night. It really wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, at least not at my house. Saw a little bit of lightning and thunder. How many of you have ever lived through a hurricane? Anybody? I suspect in Indiana here, you don't often have to deal with hurricanes, do you? You're you're far enough inland that um, hurricanes aren't really an issue. I've lived a a couple of times down on the Gulf Coast. My wife was born and raised there around the Pensacola area of Florida. I guarantee you people there, every hurricane season, their antennas go up and they begin to watch the weather. They want to see They want to know what's coming. One of the worst hurricanes in the history of our nation um, was Hurricane Camille. It happened back in August of 1969, the year my little sister was born. There was a group of partiers down on the Gulf Coast um, around Biloxi, Mississippi, A group of 30 partiers that said, we know there's a hurricane coming, but we're just going to party this one out and stay here. And people said, you don't want to stay here. You need to get out. And they said, you know what? We know it's coming, but we're just going to party this one out. Guess what? A tidal wave hit that beachfront house. And nothing was found. No one was recovered. 259 people died because of Hurricane Camille. It's not enough just to know about the warning. Warnings are meant to be taken seriously. And this one is too. Heaven can be yours. And that's really the greatest thing about it. It's right there. It's within your grasp. Let me close this morning by reading something to you. It's a letter that was sent to a preacher named Batsel Barrett Baxter. Does anybody remember that name? Growing up in Middle Tennessee, um, Brother Baxter uh, was something of an icon. He taught there at at Lipscomb University. No telling how many hundreds of young men came through his class, and he he taught them speech and communications. He was sort of a a break from some of those, you know, uh, hellfire and brimstone type preachers. Uh, He had such a, a soft, loving gentleness about him, and he preached about the love of God and the grace of God, and and he really endeared himself to so many people. Um, in his later years, he had um, a program called the Herald of Truth. And this was a letter when he announced a number of years ago on the Herald of Truth program that he was going to be speaking on the topic of heaven. A man sent him this letter. And this is the letter that he wrote. Brother Baxter, next Sunday you are to preach about heaven. And I'm interested in that because I've held a clear title to a bit of property there for 55 years. I didn't buy it, for it was given to me without price. But the donor 
purchased it at a tremendous sacrifice to himself. I'm not holding it for speculation as the title is non-transferable. It is not a vacant lot for I have been sending material out of which the greatest builder in the universe has been preparing a mansion for me. Termites can never undermine its foundation. It rests on the rock of ages. I love that. Fire cannot destroy it, nor can flood wash it away. No locks or bolts will ever be on its doors, for no vicious person will ever enter that land. There is a deep valley, a valley of deep shadows between the place where I now live and the place to which I will journey in a short time. I cannot reach my home in that city of God unless I pass through that dark valley. But I'm not afraid because the best friend I ever had went through that valley long ago and he drove away all the gloom. And he has stuck by me constantly since we first met 55 years ago. I hold his promise in printed form, never to forsake me or to leave me alone. And he will be with me as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Brother Baxter, I hope to hear your sermon, but I have no assurance I will do so. My ticket to heaven has no date on it, no return coupon nor is there a baggage permit. My state of health being what it is, I may not be here next Sunday while you are preaching about heaven. At any rate, I sincerely trust that we will meet one another on another occasion in that beautiful land of bliss. And then he closed with this great statement from God's word. For eye has not seen and ear has not heard Neither has it entered into the heart of a man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Would you today set your mind on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father? Would you let that be your motivation? Would you let that be your goal? Heaven our resurrection home.